For U.S. purposes, they are a refundable tax credit. You are listening to Australia's podcast for accountants, Tax Talks, the podcast to run and grow your firm. Welcome to another US tax episode of Tax Talks. This is Heide Robson and thank you to Class for sponsoring this episode. How do you treat the support payments your US clients received last year in March and December? How do you treat those very valuable and official looking checks issued by IIS and the US Treasury? How do you treat those in your clients' Australian tax returns? This is the question Seth Hertz of US Expect Tax in Sydney will discuss with you. And I have to apologize, Seth just comes through his laptop mic and I have a strong feeling that even though I thought I checked my mic, I think my voice might be coming through the laptop as well. So the audio quality in this episode is not great and I apologize for that. However, Seth's comments are very helpful if you prepare Australian tax returns for US clients. For US purposes, they are a refundable tax credit. March and December are two parts of the same thing. It was based on, even though they're different uh, headings as far as legislation, but the impact is exactly the same. They're both they're just adding on to the credit that was done in March is what happened in December. They're using the same thresholds, etc. So it was just a further it was just a further credit. What happened in 2020, as far as those credit payments, they are advance payments of a credit. So rather than having to wait until filing the 2020 US return, they're trying to pay them in advance because people needed the money right away. The CARES Act that was passed in March 2020, was that just for business or just for individuals or both? No, just individuals. Only individuals, not companies. Not companies. The stimulus payments were for individuals. Full stop. I see. So what's happening for businesses in the U.S.? There's various support mechanisms that are there for, for that, but I mean, that won't affect individual income tax returns. 99% of our clients who are U.S. citizens won't have a business in the U.S., hence it doesn't affect right, us. Right. So we just have to focus on the individual stimulus payments, and that is the CARES Act in March 2020? Yeah, and uh, I don't remember the name of the one in December. I mean, less, less focused on the, the names of everything, but I know it sounds like, okay, I need more detail, but from a point of view of saying, all right, how does the U.S. treat it and how does Australia treat it, it's trying to keep it as simple as possible. Yeah, the U.S. is it's a it's a refundable credit. It's not income for U.S. purposes. It's purely a refundable credit. The payments that have taken place are advances on that credit, so that you don't have to wait until filing the 2020 U.S. return to get it. If for some reason you did not get the full credit in advance, like you were entitled to, whatever you didn't get, you can claim on the return. These credits they are means tested, and I think if you at 2019 income was below 75,000 you get the full amount if it was below 99,000 you get a portion of the uh, full amount and then if your income in 2019 was over 99,000 you don't get anything as an individual and these thresholds are doubled for couples there are four different thresholds basically for, oh really uh, four depending on what your filing status is in the US Oh, yeah, of course, because there are four filing statuses, hence there are four thresholds. If your income in 2019 was below the relevant threshold, then you get the full amount or it's then uh, phased out up to a certain amount. And they were using 2019 or 2018, whichever 
information they had available because most people hadn't filed 2019 when the first one came out. And so they might have been using 2018. What they used is irrelevant because it's only a matter of the end result is 2020. So somebody might have had not might have had income that was higher in 2018. And therefore, they got less of a credit because they were higher above the threshold. If 2020 turns out to be below the threshold, then they'll claim it on their return. In the end, 2020 is the main one. So if somebody loses their job in 2020 and they have really low income, they still get the relief. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You know, so it's looking at that and saying, okay, you know, regardless of what the thresholds might be, assuming you're not preparing the U.S. returns from that point of view, you know, the biggest thing to understand is, you know, it's a refundable credit in that sense, you know, the Australian tax treatment is the same as a treatment would be of any U.S. Uh, individual tax credit, you know, that might be there. It, it reduces the amount of U.S. tax that's overall been paid for 2020. So it's a refundable credit, meaning that if your U.S. tax income is zero in 2020, you basically get the full credit. You will and, get how a much, and how much is it? I think I have 600 U.S. dollars in my mind. The first package was 1200 for an adult, 500 for child eligible child. The second one that passed in December made it 600 for anyone, whether it was adult or child. You'll get a blend, you know, of, of credits that are there. It's relatively little, isn't it? If you if you think about, if you imagine a family who lost both jobs where nobody is working or so, then these are very little amounts. But I assume then, then the, the usual welfare system kicks in. There are other things that are happening as far as unemployment benefits, et cetera. No one thinks that it's enough at the end of the day. That's the that's the subject of immense and intense debate mm. in the US. But as the saying goes, it is what it is. It's just if, if you compare it to the job keeper or the job seeker, you know, that oh, was yeah. $750 a week. Here we are talking about you know, $2,000 for a full year, basically. Not even remotely uh, up to snuff. It really isn't. I mean, unemployment, it's still significant. The unemployment insurance is still a significant piece to that. And so, you know, I don't know how to compare the two countries overall because uh, that's those are two different uh, things to try and figure out. It's not an apples to apples comparison. Either way, I'd be confident in saying that the Australian approach was more helpful. Okay, so in the um, U.S., a tax return, it's a refundable credit. If you haven't received anything yet, you receive it as a credit through your tax return. If you receive the payments before through a check, then, of course, you don't receive anything through right. your tax return. Correct. Good. And then I can imagine that whatever the U.S. citizens living in Australia and being a, a tax resident in Australia, whatever they received... It's not accessible in Australia because it would be it would be quite funny if the Australian government raised taxes on US government payments. Yeah, I think the treaty would probably knock that out. I mean, in, in the end, if it's since it's a refundable tax credit, and yeah, you know, stimulus payment is a is a colloquial term. The when you're looking at answers, you gotta look at the exactly what's going on. If you end up with a tax credit, you know, which is what it is. You know, this falls under the heading of, okay, you know, how much tax did they pay in the U.S.? And that'll be lowered by whatever that amount's going to be. And therefore, you know, the question of whether there's a FICO to be claimed, that's going to be impacted by that answer. Very good point. So it's actually not a separate credit. It is a tax credit. So meaning that when you prepare the Australian tax return, whatever you can claim in U.S. taxes against the Australian tax will be reduced by these stimulus payments. Right. And I suspect, I mean, 
for most people who are eligible for these credits, and I, yeah, it's not a full stop statement, but for most, there's probably very little U.S. tax that you would have been claiming as a FITO anyway for them. They're not usually the highest income earners, in the, so they wouldn't have typically had U.S. tax to pay. I, I can see in some situations you might have a possibility if they were a temporary resident, but then you wouldn't have been putting the income in the Australian return anyway for the investment income in the U.S. So I think a lot of times this will not truly impact the preparation of the Australian returns when it comes right down to it, because these are typically not going to have FITOs anyway. And that's then since this is only reducing U.S. tax that was probably not creditable anyway, that it may not make much of a difference on the Australian return. I haven't been able to... Uh... Yeah, they're only just coming through the wash now as you prepare the 2020 tax returns. But I see what you're saying, because usually Australia is the taxing country, meaning the U.S. residents pay tax here and they then receive a foreign tax credit back in the US, but hence these refundable credits don't affect their Australian tax position. Yeah, I can see where it would make a difference. For example, if you have someone who's a full resident of Australia and has US investments, you know, interest income, dividend income from US investments, Australia gets the tax that they get, they take a FITO for the US tax. If that US tax has been reduced Accordingly, that would lower the FITO. So it depends on how much income they have in the U.S. If the income in the U.S. is significant and hence makes them dependent on a U.S. tax credit, then they would be affected by these stimulus. It would be more a question of immigration status in Australia, whether you're a full resident or a temporary resident, and type of income in the U.S. I think is probably the bigger question. Yeah, you could have, you know, lots of salary and wage, but it doesn't really matter if because Australia is, you know, if you work in Australia and that's who gets the first taxing rights to it. It's really more a question of whether you have investment income. That's where you would probably see a situation where that would, where there'd be some form of U.S. taxation, you know, that would be left over. And if that's the case, then that would be lowered. But it's, it basically means you can just go by the U.S. tax return. Yeah. So it basically only comes up when we prepare the 2021 Australian tax return. We then look at the US tax return for 2020. And then whatever comes through there as a tax credit, that's what we run with. I think that's right. Even though the first payment took place in the, in the 2020 Australian year, because in essence, it's an advance on the credit, I think the right answer is really to, to look at the 2020 U.S. return at the end of the day. And going forward, there may be a third round of this coming up. Well, they've still got to have a lot of discussions um, on new legislation and what it would be mean and where the thresholds would be and how much and yada, yada. So it's too hard to know at this stage. But if they did that, I can't see how that would impact 2020 anymore. They just don't have time to make that apply to 2020. I think it would have to be 2021 at that stage. And hence, it would affect us in the 2022 Australian tax return. Right. So basically very simple. It just go by what the U.S. tax return is telling you and run with that. That's my sense on it. Yeah. I mean, you know, you have to try and as usual, you have to try and, you know, take a, um, an interpretation on Australian law based on something which is, you know, not written for Australian law when you're dealing with the U.S. But, you know, I'm pretty comfortable with that thought that, you know, that these payments, you know, would, would be what exactly what they are. They're, they're still tax credits from a U.S. point of view. Which, to be honest, is a more conservative answer. If you looked at them as U.S. government payments, 
you'd have to somehow, you know, jimmy them in and maybe you could put them under social security and then they would be exempt altogether from Australian pet tax purposes. But I don't think they, they don't fit the category of social security. And so I think this is the right answer. Okay. So the right answer is they are foreign tax credits. And hence, well, they are not foreign tax credits. They are simply U.S. tax credits. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, from from our view, they are foreign. But yes, uh, I agree yeah, with yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. They are U.S. Yeah, yeah. tax credits, and hence are not assessable income in Australia. That's I, I believe that to be correct. Yes, there are other types of those credits that have been in existence for a few years now, and that's why I look at that and say, well, you know, you don't take that as income from a Australian point of view when you get a tax credit from another country. So of April, isn't it? The deadline for US tax, isn't it? Yeah, last year was the 15th. They moved it till July, unprecedented last year. They moved from 15 April to 15 July for everybody. But uh, this year, back to normal. So uh, 15 April. Yeah, and actually, by the way, the IIS is not open for electronic filing at the moment, correct? I understand they're, they're still, back. They're, they're they, still they, redesigning they, the forms and hence yeah. can't find, they, get they, submissions they, yet. Every year, Heidi, every year from mid-November onwards until some point in January, there's always a, a shutoff of the e-filing so that they can update the systems for the next year. May well be that they have not yet started the e-filing for this year, which would be late because normally it's started by this point, but because I think because of the December tax change, the legislation that we just talked about, the second stimulus, that requires them to, to play around with the software again. And that's presumably why they have not opened up the e-filing yet, is because they have to be able to allow e-filing. And if they haven't done the second stimulus, then they can't e-file. That's what you're looking at. And so we normally tell people just you know, it's better to hold off a little bit. I know you want the money, but it's, it's a lot quicker if you wait for e-filing than if you do a hand filing. And they will open it up. I'm sure they're uh, pushing their uh, techies night and day to get it done. Oh, by the way, so this year it's back to the 15th of April. The 15th of July was only last year? Correct. Okay, so now it's back to the 15th of April. Yeah, I mean, U.S. citizens living here in Australia get an automatic two months. Yes. Until uh, 15th of June. But if they owe taxes, then interest the IS better starts cracking because 15th of April is not that far away. Indeed. That's why That's why I'm saying if there's a third one that's not going to be for 2020, they just can't do that. This has uh, already caused a delay, as you can see, which uh, will frustrate a lot of people. As far as a final word, I mean, yeah, don't overthink it is my final word. Treat it as a refundable credit and it makes life a lot easier. Welcome back. So all those checks coming out of the US are just refundable tax credits in the US and so are basically a nothing in Australia. They are neither accessible income nor NANI, meaning non-accessible, non-exempt, nor anything else. But those checks will reduce the foreign tax credits you might recognize in your U.S. clients' Australians' tax returns. In the next episode, episode 281, Simon Bacon will talk about child support payments. How are these calculated and what to look out for depending on whether your client is the paying or the receiving parent of those payments. Until then, thank you for listening and thank you to Class for their support. Bye for now and see you in the next episode.